The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to the Saints Happy Hour Podcast with host Ralph Malbro and featuring bloggers Andrew Juge of SaintsNation.com, Kevin Held of the Team Drops the Ball, and Dave Cariello of Canal Street Chronicles. This podcast is nothing but serious football talk and hardcore analysis. Which four of you would survive the longest in the zombie apocalypse, and in which order would you die? Well, Ralph, no offense, you're going first. No, definitely. <laughs> no, no, no. The zombies would smell Dave's sugar blood and target him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They'd get his... <laughs> I don't even have a joke, Dave! <laughs> Dave, Dave smells like nougat! Now here's your host, Ralph Malbrose. Alright, welcome to the Saints Happy Hour Podcast. As always, we are sponsored by the Pelican House and at 2572 City Place Court, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, Andrew, I'm sure the Pelican House, I bet you people dr- drank them dry watching Wisconsin and LSU. Um, I don't know what to say. I just, oh boy. I don't even. It's just the LSU quarterback, man. It's like the Saints defense. It's never going to be good. It's just the way it is. But the Pelican House, they have 136 draft beers. They have a 50-foot TV. Uh, they got they got NFL football this Sunday. They got a late-night menu. Look, football is football. It's awesome. We'll get through it. If LSU's terrible, if the Saints are terrible, we'll find a way through it. We'll drink our way through it. And you'll drink your way through it and eat your way through it at the Pelican House. 2572 City Place Court, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. They're awesome. You should support them because they support us. And, you know, I mean, if, if you're going to be suffering through these games – LSU and potentially the Saints. I mean, having 136 choices of beers is is what you want. Yeah, you need them all. Oh um, yeah, you really do. So, uh, you know, here's the thing with uh, the Saints, and and um, is they, Andrew. I think yesterday was it was so exciting and depressing as a Saints fan because we had said. The Saints need a guard. They need they need a guard, maybe two guards, and only a miracle will happen. And they need a miracle to happen to have someone drop out of the sky that's average will be excited, above average, jump on it. They had an all-pro guard, Josh Sitton, from the Green Bay Packers, fall out of the goddamn sky. And he went to the Bears first, and the Saints didn't get him. He was scheduled to visit for the Saints. I don't know how close it was. It wasn't like the Bears got him for cheap. He got a raise. He got three years, what, $22 million? Um, so like $7.3 million a year, $10 million guaranteed. Um, we don't have – I don't have any inside info. So I don't know how, how serious the Saints were or whatever. But it was pretty depressing yesterday, Andrew, that the Saints didn't get him. I mean, well, I don't know if it was depressing. I mean, it, it got exciting for a moment. Because, you know, obviously we've been, anyone listening to this podcast or following us online or, or just, uh, they might just be Saints fans that are listening to us for the first time. But I, I think all of us felt collectively like guard's been an issue for a while now. And 
you know, like you said, for that opportunity to fall out of the sky. Uh, well, you know, I, I feel like Paul Kruger in a lot of ways, you know, I, I don't think he's at on Sitton's level in terms of quality. He's better, um, that, he's, he's better than anything they had. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, in that sense, it was like, oh, my God, are they in the course of a week going to find two high-quality veterans to completely plug up major holes on their roster? Um, you know, if you had asked me between the two, what preference I would have had, I would have picked the guard, hands down. Um, but, but, yeah, um, yeah it, you know, it, I mean, obviously, when guys like that become available, you're going to have competition. I was excited that Adam Schefter tweeted that he would be going to New Orleans after Chicago if, you know, if he got out of that visit. Um, so just to even be in the mix was encouraging because it tells me the Saints know they have a problem at guard and know they need to fill it. Yeah, and the thing is with these visits, and this is how it works almost all the time, like Kruger, when you knew that he's like, I'm going to visit New Orleans and then I'm going to visit Kansas City, you were like, he's not visiting Kansas City. The Saints are going to get that done because they need a pass rusher bad. And here's the thing that I was arguing with people online. They're like, well, Kruger and Sinton, you know, if, they're, if their teams don't want them, how good can they be? I'm like, dude, let me tell you something. If the Saints had signed Kruger in the offseason and they had traded for Sinton on draft day, we would have done backflips. Mm-hmm. So if they do it now, I'm going to do backflips too. So it didn't work out um, with Sinton. Um, and here's the, here's the thing. Here's the thing at guard is they're gonna they're rolling with Pete and Lolito at guard, and I don't know like um, what like it's not it, it's it's not even last year level, Andrew. I don't think good, you know. Well, that's the question. I mean, I, I think everyone's so down on Lolito and and kind of giving Andres Pete a pass just because. He's kind of the first-round pick. It's the second year, and we're not really sure what he has yet. Um, but I think Pete could – I mean, at least for now, he's the bigger liability. So, yes, I want Tim Alito replaced, but he's arguably the best guard they have right now. And, Andrew, thankfully, we have a special guest just dropping in at the last moment to save us. Brian from the Saints Nation, he has an awesome podcast, and he's a friend of the podcast. Here is joining us. You can find him at Curious16, right, Brian? Is that right? Yeah, Curious16. Curious16 on Twitter. So he's joining us. Um, so, Brian, I'll, I, I was going to ask Andrew this, but I'll ask you this. Um, the Saints offensive line, look, it's a mess. We've been back and forth over it a million different ways. Um, the thing is, my thing now is all your – Josh Sitton and Leary and Schwartz and all that. Like, that's, like, done. Like, the Saints, they might do those moves next week. That ain't happening for Sunday, okay? <laughs> they ain't going to go with what they got, and it's going to be mm-hmm. Pete, and it's going to be Lolito, and it's going to be a lot of praying. But what the hell are they going to do to make sure Khalil Mack doesn't murder Drew Brees? Um... Well, you already covered praying, so uh, the best option is is already there. But um, I, I guess if you're if you're gonna wait a week, the Raiders are the best team to pick. the The interior of their defensive line is not great. Um, it's it's not as bad as the interior of the Saints' offensive line, but at least it's not like terrifying. It, it sure as hell isn't as good as like as like Houston's or New England's yeah. are. Um, but the, the the big the biggest question for me really comes down to. Where does Mac line up? Because he, he's not a guy who runs a lot of stunts and stuff. He doesn't do a lot of uh, interior rushes. Yeah. 
if he's running up against Teron Armstead and, and Teron's okay, um, which is obviously the big question, but if Teron's okay, I, I'm okay with leaving him one-on-one with Khalil Mack. He's proven he has that kind of ability. Obviously, if you know, as the game goes, if you need to send help his way, you do. But at least he's got a chance. Yeah. But if he's landing, if he's lining up on Streep's side, oh lord, lordy. I mean, one obviously <laughs> you gotta you gotta put the tight end. Over. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge, or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum! And how you get the most out of select can't miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed over there. But my thing is, I mean, that's the kind of guy too. the thing about Streif is, and, and I like Streif. I mean, I've always been a Streif defender, Ralph, you can vouch. No, you can. Um, but, uh, you know, even in his prime, this is the kind of player that he really struggles with. And I mean, that's, I mean, everybody struggles against Cleo Mack, you know, this isn't like a, you know, Zach Streif sucks or whatever, but, I think speed, you know, yeah, he, he's always struggled with that. And now, you know, you talk about him maybe declining a little bit. You see him getting a little long in the tooth. I mean, there's just there. He's going to need help. Yeah, desperately. The, the thing is, like, you would rather Streif face in his prime or even now you'd rather him face a really good rusher like the late great Will Smith for the Saints, who what Will Smith wasn't a speed guy. Will Smith was a, I'm a power guy. I'm gonna bull rush you. I'm just gonna destroy you with physical strength. That's the guy Streif. Even the really good ones when he was in his prime, he could hold his own and and, and it would be a draw. Sometimes Streif would win, but man, those speed guys, even like mm-hmm. medi- even like mediocre speed guys, just kill Streif. You know, um, so I don't I don't know anything about the Raiders because. Why would I follow one bad football team already? Why would I care, care, <laughs> care about a second one? So I don't know, like, do they move Khalil and Mack around? Jack DeRio is a pretty good defensive coordinator. Um, I would expect they're going to attack the Saints interior. They watch the film. They know. Um, but before Jack we Del Rio, there, former Saint, right? Former Saint, right, right yeah, yeah, former Saint. Um, a heck, of a, a heck of a D.C. And a coach under – he's got his coaching start under Ditka. Was actually, oh, that's right. He did. He was like uh, – he was like a assistant, assistant, and then he was he like was a linebacker. Part of that atrocious he, he, staff. He was. Um, <laughs> so um, the other news, uh, Andrew, is with the Saints. Uh, Sheldon Rankins was on IR. What does it What yeah. does it mean? Well, you know, I'm a little disappointed um, because you know when he first broke his leg. Well, first of all, everyone was like, "No big deal." 
Yeah, he'll be back in four. Yeah, you know, it's, like, it's a six-week yeah. thing. He'll be back in a couple weeks. I knew, I knew it was worse than that. It's a freaking broken leg. But you know, I was hopeful that they would carry him on on the roster and just kind of leave him inactive. You know, because anytime you have a fifty-three-man roster in the game, I think it's forty-six guys that are active. So I was hoping they would just be okay with leaving him inactive. Um, for the first four weeks of the season, and maybe the Saints could recoup him after the bye. Um, unfortunately, that didn't work out. Um, and as you know, he's basically done. And so what it means is he can't practice with the team until after week six, and he can't be activated until after week eight. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if he were to return, I mean, you know, the good news is by that point, you have to assume he'd be practicing and healthy, yeah. but he would be, you know, we're talking about week nine, which would be the Saints' eighth game of the season. So it'd be, he'll, so they're going to half a, they're going to get a half a year out. He'll get, he'll get, he'll get a half a year of snaps. And with the Saints, the way some of us think they're going to be, that's important, you know? So, uh, Brian, I guess, uh, you know, as we sort of go into this roster, what surprised you um, at cutdown day? Um, I think that there were there were two ones that that kind of surprised me a little bit, little bit. I, I kind of saw the writing on the wall for Brian Dixon. Um, as as soon as you saw Lasco um, at, at the gunner spot, and, and he's getting down there at basically the same rate, um, you're creating a lot of the same problems for teams. Lasco gives you the potential to produce on the field, you kind of know what you have with Dixon. So him getting cut um, didn't really surprise me. I was actually a little surprised that Marcus Murphy made the team just because of the fumbling issues, because that is a huge issue for Peyton. Um, It always has been. And well, Murphy's the best returner on the team, unless they want to put CJ Spiller back there. When he's um, not fumbling. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's the problem is is that he fumbles. Here's my, here's my theory on Murphy. They mm-hmm. look. They look at Murphy and they say he's not only the best returner on our team. He potentially can be a really, really good returner. We have such thin margins to win games that we have to give him another chance and see if he can not drop the ball. Because he potentially, if he can not drop the ball, he can win us a game. A game well, the name the help. name of the game is having playmakers. Yeah, you know, and and that's how you win games is playmakers. And I think he he's one of the few guys on this roster that has that game changing ability. And so, you know, you talk about the margins being small. I mean, that goes both ways. So you know, a turnover. You know, I think you look at some teams, Carolina. You know, they can maybe afford to lose a turnover battle by one or two, and and still find a way to win games. This team is not going to have that luxury. Um, so, you know, that go, like I said, goes both ways, and, and fumbles are going to be costly. Uh, but if he can fix that problem, uh, then, yeah, he's the guy. He, Look, I mean, they almost beat Carolina at Carolina with Luke McCown. And make no mistake, Mark, Marcus Murphy was a huge part of that yeah. last year. I don't think he's necessarily yeah. – I don't think he's – Brian, I don't think he's necessarily one fumble away from getting cut. If he could come out and, like, say the first – four weeks he's really good and say for instance he ran a punt back against the Raiders he could fumble one in October and he'd have stuff in the bank as like 
Yep, he's a really good returner. Marcus, you fumble once. Don't do that shit again, please. But I, I but, think it depends on the on the type of fumble for that though. Like getting the ball punched out, yeah. Muffing the catch Ooh, yeah, yeah. the way he has been, he's gone. Yeah. So, I mean, um I was this is this really frustrates me with the Saints of I was scurrying through uh, the blog network that Saints Nation that it's on and uh, blogged in and SB Nation, looking at other teams' websites and being like, what's their offensive line situation? Who are they going to cut? What are they going to do? <laughs> um, and I didn't, I didn't, like, I spent, like, a lot of time Saturday doing that, and, and it was disgusting. It's just, it's sad, really. Um, <laughs> but my question is, Brian, is there anybody out there that you're like, they can sign, and they should sign because they'll be better than what they have. Um, has Short signed anywhere yet? I don't no, know. no. That's the list. Um, I mean, <laughs> there's a few. There, there's a few guys they could trade for. Like I'd say Vasquez, but he's hurt, and it's his back. And when you're that big, like I've and got old. back problems, and I'm not that big. You take big and old and back problems. Yeah. And he's worse than Lolito. Because there's a difference between oh, just not being yeah. very good and a guy who can crumble on a play. That's when that's when a guy like Breeze really gets blasted. Is yeah. when the lineman just goes down. Mm-hmm. So with that, I, I'm just staying far away because Lolito's bad, but he's inconsistent bad. A guy who's a ticking time bomb injury wise. That's potentially even worse. I mean, Khalif Barnes is kind of exhibit A of that. You know, I think you, you look at these guys, I mean, that's a guy that's been a quality pro for, for a long time in the NFL and a starter. And, you know, eventually the wheels just come off, whether it's injury or just age. And uh, the, the decline sometimes when physically you can't do it anymore, it, it's steep. Yeah, it's like Stinchcomb. Well, yeah, look it's at like Jari. Stinchcomb. Yeah. Stinchcomb. You know, he was yeah. just... Yeah, he He's went up. from almost Pro Bowl quality to uh, out of the NFL. You know, um, the other, I mean, we talked about guard, guard, guard a lot, uh, Andrew. But another thing that we we talked a lot about, too, is, is pass rush, and especially after Kikaha got got hurt, and then Rankin's out, obviously, half a year. Um, they signed Kruger, who... I really like, and I think he's their second best pass rusher they have on the roster. Be that whatever you want to say about it. Um, how are you feeling about pass rush for the Saints? And what's the what's the give me the give me the best case scenario for pass rush, Andrew? And then Brian, while he's telling me the best case, I want you to think of the worst case scenario for the pass rush. And, and don't say injuries because injuries obviously it's easy to say. Well, if Cam Jordan gets hurt or this and this guy gets hurt, they're they're fucked. But Andrew, give me the best case scenario for pass rush. Well, when I was worried about pass rush last year, um, you know, I thought their edge guys were okay. You know, I thought Edibali was okay. Uh, Kikaha was, at times, before the ankle injury, looked pretty good. You know, obviously Cam Jordan's Cam Jordan. And then, you know, they got a little bit out of Oboom Guachem. So I never really thought it was the edge guys. I kept telling you last year, the problem is they have no interior pressure. And they're not collapsing the pocket. And so even if they get a little initial pressure from the edge, quarterbacks just step into a clean pocket and they have all day to throw and survey the field. So, you know, I, I thought fairly, and especially the way he looked in training camp and preseason, 
that's huge for the Saints because that's what they need. And the emergence of Tyler Davison, another huge thing because that's they need guys on the interior that can create opportunities. And, you know, I, I, I don't need a, a guy that's just a 15-sack guy, um, you know, that Von, Von Miller is not going to fall out of the sky for the Saints. So give me a decent rotation of three or four guys. Kruger, I think, big time adds to that. But now you've got Kruger, Guachem, Etabali, and, and Jordan, and that's good enough. And if they can just get pocket pressure. So, I mean, obviously the Rankins thing now, that's huge. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously you wish you could have them, but you don't. Um, what is encouraging, John Jenkins had a great game in that fourth preseason game. I think he had two sacks there. Um, so, you know, obviously the Saints are going to lean on him heavily with Rankins out. Um, so I think best case is that three-man rotation of Jenkins, um, Fairley, and uh, Tyler Davison do enough to collapse the pocket to create the opportunities for those edge guys. I think you've got to get Cam the double-digit sacks, and then, you know, maybe the rest kind of piece together. Adebali maybe gets six this year, and Kruger gets four and a half, and Watchem gets a couple, and the interior guys get a few. Um, and it all adds up to a, a decent pass rush. Brian, what's the worst case scenario not injury related? Um, well, obviously, you know, taking injuries out because it's you know that's always worst case. You're right on that. I, I think the I think the worst case for the pass rush really is is having to have over reliance on the blitz. And, and regardless of if some of the blitzes get the numbers, because I'm not. You know the difference between like say like 32 and and 38 sacks or or 40 sacks. You know pick pick your number. How you get them, when you get them, those things matter. Like you know yeah. going back to a couple of years ago when you know Junior hit his 10 and he got his bonus, but like six of his sacks came against Tampa Bay and they were the worst offensive line in the league. And like yes, he helped us win one of those games um, with uh, with the yeah. safety play. But if you're looking at throughout the season like there were so many other plays where he was moved out or he was over pursuing just for the sack um, and not sticking to his assignments. It hurt you. And if you think that's bad, just remember back to Greg Williams and how bad the over blitzing got and, and how much it was detrimental to the defense. If they can't get some level of pressure, not even just front four, but like let's say front five, you send one guy and even if it's not giving sack numbers, if they can at least get pressure, Dennis Allen is not Rob Ryan, who I think like blitzed like 26% of the time last year. Like Rob Ryan did not blitz. Dennis Allen he likes to blitz. will send the dogs. Now, he does not like to send zero blitzes as much as Greg does. That's something they're different in. He, he's a little bit more exotic. He, he likes to move things around and disguise things a lot. But if you're constantly having to send those players... It's going to expose what I think could be one of the biggest strengths for this team uh, and, and this defense in particular, but it's also its biggest weakness, and that's the youth. Um, like, perfect example, um, and I think Andrew and I have talked, all three of us have talked about this on Twitter a few times. PJ Williams has been a mixed bag in the preseason. He's gotten beat on some plays where he didn't locate the ball in the air. Now, the upside of those plays is he had damn near perfect position yep. every time. Yeah. The difference between him and like a Corey White or a, Bra or a Browner or these shit-tastic corners we've had is <laughs> they were nowhere near the damn he, ball. He looks like he looks like a rookie corner because that's what he is. He redshirted last yeah. year, but he's a he looks like a rookie corner with talent. He looks like 
Delvin Bro did last year early. He looked like Tracy, Tracy Porter. Porter. Like Tracy, Tracy Porter. terrible the first seven games. Tracy Porter, his rookie year, Brandon Marshall burned him to the ground in Denver, but Tracy yes. Porter just kept on coming. And I want to say he had an interception that Denver game. Like, Tracy Porter just – he had this – the, the skill that corners need, man. He just kept on grinding and kept on grinding, kept on grinding. And I think PJ Williams has that, which is good. Thing about the secondary that worries me with, I wasn't expecting anything from Keenan Lewis. I was hopeful on Swan. So now you're going to Crawley, you're going to, you know, there are they're certainly thin at corner. You know, one thing, you know, Brian mentioned the blitz, and yeah, I think he made great points there. You know, one thing and. You know, we're, we're, we're down on the Saints, I think, a lot of us. And, and you know, and we're not sure how the season's going to go. But, you know, Andrew Platt on Twitter asked me today, like, give me something, like something positive, something to be excited about. And, you know, one thing that I will say is when you look at the Saints and how much they've struggled blitzing uh, in the last couple of years, there are guys on this team, new guys, and I watch how they blitz in preseason. I mean, first mm-hmm. of all, Roman Harper – reminded me in this preseason how good of a blitzer he is and there is an art to it and it's not about speed speed certainly helps timing but it's it's a lot more about timing anticipation the angle you take uh you know being able to avoid a blocker in a split situation so there are a lot of there are a lot of things that go into that and i've just looked at some of these guys that'll be blitzing for the saints now i'm talking about roman harper i've seen craig robertson do it I've seen Laurinaitis get to the quarterback in this preseason on blitzes. You know, those are the guys that the Saints are going to be sending. And to me, that looks a world better in terms of capability than some of the guys that were going after the quarterback on a blitzing scheme last year. I think Roman Harper is going to have a very, very nice season. I'm not saying he's going to be great or capture the fountain of youth. I'm just saying that Dennis Allen is from the Greg Williams mold, and he knows how to use Roman Harper, and I think he's going to maximize Roman Harper, and Roman Harper is going to have a nice year, and he's going to get a real nice send-off at the end of the year. Like, Roman Harper is going to be one of the things like, oh, we got Roman Harper, and we kind of, people kind of mocked it, but he's been kind of good this year. Like, I think that's going to be one of, that's one of my fun predictions. But, um, you like know, pe- people want, um, to feel good about it. The interesting thing, Andrew, uh, with the offense is if the offensive line wasn't a trash heap, I would feel mm-hmm. really good about it. I feel good about skill position. I feel good about running back. Um, tight end, it, you know, they had the injury to uh, Humanawi, and that's bad. But I feel really good about the skill positions. I mean, uh, is there is well, – there... you, you and I were saying if they landed sitting our – that one player changes everything for this team. Yes, based on the position like, he plays, like how good he is. If if they would have if they would have landed Sitton, I would have rewrote my WWL preview, and I I would have seriously considered flipping the record. We'll get to the predictions in a minute. Um, but um, I, I guess my question, Andrew, is what on offense do you look at and say besides offensive line? What skill position needs to just explode for them to 
really exceed expectations and it really be fun and be a playoff contender? What has to happen on offense besides because Drew Brees, you know, we we take for granted that look if they're going to go ten and six, he's got to be awesome, but somebody else has got to be phenomenal as well. Who in your yeah. mind on offense is the is the guy that if I could say pick a guy, he's going to have the best year of his life. Who would you pick? That's super easy for me. Uh, my answer would be C.J. Spiller. And the reason I say that is uh, when you've got an offensive line that's troublesome and that's struggling and your quarterback needs to get the ball out quickly, um, the, the, the safety valve, you know, the, 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 mm-hmm. the, the blanket, if you will, is the running back. And if you've got an explosive one that can create mismatches against linebackers, they can beat guys to the edge. You know, if C.J. Spiller is the C.J. Spiller of old, if he's at 100%, he can have that Darren Sproles-type element for this offense. And I, I just remember so many times, you know, watching the Saints and people would blitz Drew Brees and he would get Sproles on a wheel route and it, he was wide open in space and he would kill teams that way. And if Spiller can bring that element, it can do a lot in the passing game to, you know, kind of counteract a bad offensive line. And you, well, basically, it sounds like you're saying you would want if C.J. Spiller would have a career year, it would basically teams would say yes, the Saints' offensive line is trash, but they would be so scared to blitz that they wouldn't. That's right. Yeah, Brian, yeah for sure. Brian, and who's just you, gonna go, go ahead, ahead? Go ahead. No, I was gonna say who's uh, your who's your guy that you would if if it's not Spiller, who do you, who do you think would need to have a monster year to to. Well, Andrew pretty much pretty much stole him because I was I was gonna I was gonna say Spiller on that because if you think about what a CJ Spiller career year is, it's Spiller pretty brings damn good. the explosive elements that Sproles does, but Spiller is a legitimate running back. Yeah, like for those a, for those of you that don't know back. how, how good tackles. Spiller is, for those of you that don't know how good Spiller is, I recommend you go look at his stats when he was at the Bills. He had one year that was Barry Sanders esque. It, it was he he came within like I think it was um, like a, a sliver of tying or breaking a Jim Brown record. Two thousand that, that, that's the equivalent of, of touching Wilt Chamberlain in the NFL. Two thousand twelve. Two thousand twelve. He had two hundred and seven rushes for twelve hundred and forty four yards, and he caught forty three passes. Yeah, like he's healthy. C.J. Spiller is. The kind of player that makes defensive coordinators shit their pants. <laughs> he, he he's that good. But if if I'm gonna say career year, um, God, it's it's tough. I'm gonna say Kenny Vaccaro. Um, just just it, for the team. Yeah, just. Or is this team. just for the offense? This is just for offense. But okay, just just for the offense. I'll I'll say I'll say Kobe Fleener. Kobe and, and it's not that it's it's not about the contract. It's just about skill set and fit. Fleener, you know, he brings that size. He brings the catching ability. He's actually a little bit faster, um, you know, just straight line speed than and, than Jimmy. Certainly not slower than he was. Um, not as physically tough, obviously, mm-hmm. especially the physicality. Um, but a vastly superior route runner. Um, yeah. The idea of Kobe Fleener unlocks this entire offense. I'm I'm kind of hopeful that they've that they've produced. You know, I've read some things that him and Drew aren't on the same page, and blah blah blah. My hope is that they've kept it under wraps. Didn't look that way against Pittsburgh because he was an obvious face mask penalty, um, 
and uh, what was that other yeah. uh, shot he got- away from basically having like close to 80 yards yeah. before halftime. And the Steelers are a damn good team that made the playoffs last year, and those yeah. are their starters. Like, Drew was dropping dimes to, to Fleener, and he was open, like wide yeah. open. Um, but if I had to choose one guy to unlock the whole offense, and it's obviously not the offensive line because mm-hmm. offensive line is a unit. Um, individual players matter, but the most important thing for an offensive line is, is chemistry and rhythm. The, yeah. the Panthers are a perfect example. Their interior line is incredible. Their, their tackles are shit. <laughs> they looked great last year because the unit played well. The Saints are kind of the inverse of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm not, you know, obviously, you know, Streif isn't as good as, as, you know, Trey Turner or anything like that. But, like, it is conceivably possible for the offensive line to be okay, not good. <laughs> Because you need a you need better guards. Period. You need at least one better guard. Um, mm-hmm. But okay, Hansen would have been nice. God, he would have been nice. Um, and 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 just real real quick for the people that were saying like the whole like oh pace beat Mickey to the draw. It's not a waiver wire. The agent and the player get to determine the order of interviews, and Chicago was always their first option because it lets him not move his family too much. I know we all like to rant on Twitter. But seriously, like when thirty different news reports come out with the same information, try reading. Yeah. Yeah, but man, the Connor Barth thing. So they they cut their kicker Robbie Gold to fit sitting under the cap, and then of course you know how we are about kickers after how last year played out, and of course they pick up the kicker. I I felt like that was oh, a little bit. They didn't, bit of they a, didn't cut Gold to, to get sitting under the cap. They had like twenty million dollars of cap space. They were uh, well, I mean, I saw he missed two extra points. Gold did in the last preseason game, so and, I'm and, sure and that he, has something to do with it. He's been bad the last couple of years. Yeah. But I, I just felt like picking up Barth after beating <laughs> the, the punch on Sitton was a little bit of a nut tap to Loomis. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it definitely could have been. Yeah. Um, I mean, it must be... It would suck so bad if, if Forbath is or not is bad and, and Barth is good. I think you, you mean I think you mean when, Brian. When I mean here's the here's the thing here's the thing with, with, <laughs> with most of these free agent visits and it happens like this in regular free agents too. The team calls the agent and they say, Look, what do you want? And the agent says, I want X and the team says, Okay, we're willing to do that and that's where they go and it gets done. I mean, you know, so um you know that's probably probably what it was. I mean, and and the Bears gave him. I mean, it was not. It was you know it, it wasn't like a a thing where you looked at it and you're like, God damn! They gave him three years and and he got 15 million and he got five to sign. Like that was a big boy guard contract. You know. Um, yeah, he got paid. He got paid. So we'll see. I mean, um, so we'll get to uh, game predictions and season predictions um, in a second. Um, on you know, I like the, the 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 thought process that Brian had on defense, Andrew. And you know, who's a guy that if I said he'll have a career year and you can give it to him, who would you pick on defense? Uh, you know, if I had to pick one guy to have a career year, I would pick Nick Fairley. Ooh, good you know, just going going back to that interior push, um, and especially now with 
Rankins being yeah. MIA, I mean, they have got to have, um, you know, an interior player that dominates. I would be fairly, a- fairly at his best is a A-plus quality player. Andrew, I completely agree with you, but I will say this. If Fairly would have a career year, I would be petrified for the Saints to pay him like an elite defensive tackle. Oh, yeah. I would be petrified. But I would love to have that discussion and be like, they can't lose Fairly, they can't lose Fairly. But God, <laughs> God damn it. I, and like, if he, like if he would go off and say have – nine and a half sacks and just be an animal like i would be scared out of my well, we were having that same conversation about akeem hicks and look uh, what happened yeah they traded they to, traded to be him fair to fairly he, he's got better tape for his career than hicks ever had yeah. oh for sure hicks is supposedly looking um, good for the bears but that's a good choice my, my choice was gonna be um Paul Kruger, just for fun, because he has a sweet, Ooh. sweet hairdo. Like if he would, if he would like find the fountain of youth or whatever, and get to like Ooh. twelve, twelve sacks. Like yeah, he that, had eleven two years ago. So yeah, yeah that'd be a damn good season. So, so that would be that would be fun. Uh, Brian, who's your guy that you would say I want him to have a uh, career? That's I, I, I said I said before, um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna change that. And I do th- I do think Kenny's one of the absolute keys to this defense. He had a real revival yeah. last year. Um, but if he could like take it up another level again, like that would be so huge for this defense. But I want to give a quick shout here. out to Dave. I want to give a quick shout out to Dave who just texted us his season prediction yeah. from the, from the Maroon Five concert. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. So so um, you're not you Brian. You're not going to pick your boy Tyler Davison. No, I'm I'm not. Um, just because at this point a career year means that he has um, <laughs> yeah. like three starts. But <laughs> although I, I I'm gonna raise my hand on the on the called it factor for that one, uh, which I'm yep. very happy about. Just because oh my god, we have at least one defensive tackle who's not dog shit that we actually drafted. Oh, and by the way, the 2015 draft. I'm arguing with people. The 2015 draft, in spite of the the potential whiff on Pete and p- despite the whiff with Grayson and Tull like the 2015 draft if they hit on Anthony and they hit on PJ Williams and they hit on Davison that's an A draft when you get three starters three start, that's an A draft and it just goes to the theory of when you have more picks you can have more misses but continue yeah. I- because of the terminology we're using for this, I'm changing it from Kenny to a different safety. Career year, it's got to be Jarris Bird. Oh yeah! Oh my God, I forgot. A about career that. year for Jarris Bird changes like eight picks. Defense. <laughs> I'll take eight. I mean, that's basically yeah. a career year for Jarris Bird is basically a, a, a Darren Sharper season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's eight picks and like four full four full forced fumbles and yeah. sixteen games played. Yeah. Wow. Which would all be like wonderful things to see. He's a pretty um, religious guy too, so he could produce a season like that and then not give us the uh, extracurricular sharper stuff. <laughs> hopefully, no, 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 no sharper shakes. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully not. That would be that. That would be wonderful. Um, just, just protein. Yeah, let, let's. <laughs> yeah, let's be careful with how far we take this joke. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited. I, I had to the... be. I had to be careful with that stuff in general. So, so that's a. That's yeah, I'll a, try not to go too far. That's a good. That's a good choice. I mean, like, this. This. This defense. 
I really believe, and people laugh at me on Twitter, I really believe that I know, you know, Bill Barnwell and other people are like, the Saints defense, it was so bad that even for them to go from 32 to 31 is a great increase. But Rob Ryan went from the worst in history to Weren't, weren't the Falcons 32, technically? I, th- I thought it was the Giants, actually. I can't remember. I, th- I thought it was yeah, Atlanta. But they, they like, the, the, the Saints were closer to... Um, the, the, yeah, the, the, I, Brian, the, you're talking about yards. No, yeah. yeah, the, not, yeah. In the not, DVOA, not the, yards, the, yeah. the Bears were closer to 12th than the Saints were to the Bears. I saw that, yeah. But right. the thing is, like, Rob Ryan, they made the giant leap. So I really think that this, the, I think Fairley and Davison are going to be okay in the middle, and quarterbacks aren't going to have that ability to just step up and do whatever. I mean, it, they're going to have – if not good pocket pressure, they'll have moments where even if the quarterback can't, even if he's not having to run for his life, if he can't step up when guys come around the edge, it alters their mechanics, and I think they're going to be a better. I think they're going to be 22, 23, 24th ranked in DVOA, which is going to be, for us Saints fans, is going to be this like, oh, my God, the defense is not the worst in history. And I think it's going to be – I think the defense is going to have – I think it's going to be refreshing. I think the uh, uh, it's going to be it's going to be good. You know, it's going to be it's going to be a breath of fresh air and such. Um, so we'll we'll see. And I I just think Andrew they have improved the depth so much. And I know they've already been hit with Keenan Lewis and all. But like at linebacker, they're not going to have the Maudie. They're going to they're not going to have the Maudies playing. You know, they're going to have the, yeah. You know, if they if they get hit with injuries. Now, granted, they could. I mean, they could just get wiped out, and that happens to teams. But they're gonna—they have—they have really competent backups now, like Robertson and Stuper. And I mean, I think that is gonna really help them because you gotta have the depth. Um, and Ellerby is a guy that um, you know he—he's you know we argue about how good or and how much he how much it matters when he when he plays and, and when he doesn't. But he's another guy that you know can can be a, above average. Um, special teams, because Brian, I feel like if the Saints, if if they hit on a lot of this stuff and it and and, and a lot of things go their way, and Sean Payton can trick the can card trick the offensive line and the defense, a lot of things fall into place. They're not going to be a dominant team. That just means when they play good teams, the games are going to be really freaking close. How do you feel about the kicking situation? Because that will drive me insane if the if a lot of it falls into place, and we look up, and they're and they're four and four because because uh, Kai missed two thirty-three yard field goals to win games. You know, so how do you feel about kicker? I have, and this this is based on almost nothing other than those two minutes against the the Patriots. But I have a sneaking suspicion that that Sean Payton is so fed up with kickers just as a <laughs> position group that he's basically going to have four baths to do the kickoffs and he's just going to go for two. And honestly, I mean, with, with some of the skill players they have, I'm not even sure that's not a good idea against here's, most teams. Here's the thing. Here's the thing though, with going for two and I'm all for it going for two, but the thing, you have for, to buy it. the thing for me with going for two is, you can't 
be like, I'm going to go for two. I'm going to go for it a lot, but I'm going to pick my spots. You've either got to go, we're going for two all the goddamn time, except for the end of games when it really matters when we score and going for two and we miss, we'd only be up six and then the team could get the ball back and drive down and score and beat us, right? You you got to go all in and you got to go for go for two. 80, 90% of the time, you can't pick your spots. Like, that's what you have to... And I'm for that, but I don't think Sean Payton's going to do that, Brian. Do you think? Probably not. I'll say this. If they can figure out the offensive line and just have it be not us writing Drew Brees' eulogy... Yeah, that's (laughs) not going to happen. But hypothetically... Hypothetically. If, you know, statistically speaking, it's not zero, thus it's possible... Um, if that happens, this might be just from a pure talent perspective, the best weapons group that Sean Payton and Drew Brees have ever had together. Yeah, I agree with that. I I made the comment that, you know, Cooks and Michael Thomas probably would have succeeded in any NFL offense. And those are probably, and I include Marcus Colston and maybe even Jimmy Graham in the statement. I'm not sure that Breeze has ever had one that would have been good without him in a different offense before now. Um, So that's going to be interesting. But just going back to special teams real quick, the Saints need that to be rock solid. Uh, You talked about, I think the margins are small in the NFL anyway, but offensive line, huge question mark. Defense is going to be improved. Still a huge question mark. They, this defense could easily be 25th, 26th in the NFL and, and not good. So um, I, I think, you know, you talk about Marcus Murphy and the explosiveness. Mm-hmm. The Saints need him to be awesome. And, you know, Lasco and, and Eric Harris and Nate Stupar and Michael Motti, like they've got a lot of special teamers that are good special teamers. The Saints need those guys to be they need solid. To, they need to be rock solid. In fact, Andrew, I'd go a little bit further. They need to stop sucking on special teams, and they need to win. Some, they need to have special teams where that area, they win. the Not that the special teams that phase. Win, yeah. win, that phase will be like, oh, special teams won them another game. No, but like you can look at it and be like, man, special teams, they downed a bunch of punts. They downed two punts inside Clear the Clear advantage, yeah. 10-yard line. They they. They, you know, because field position is one of those things that fans don't really realize. But if you win the field position by like, I think it's like if you win it by more than like four and a half yards. If my starting position is four and a half yards better than yours, like I yep. win the game like seventy percent of the time. And um, I'll tell you this: I mean, listen, Forbath scares me. Uh, I'm, I don't. I was kind of hoping they would pick Barth because then that would tell me, okay, they found someone better than Forbath. Good. Uh, that didn't happen. So Forbath scares me. Um, I think the silver lining here, Brian Dixon is a damn good special teams or special teamer, and the fact that they cut him yep. is, and and you know they're going to see more kickoff returns than ever, so they need cover guys. The fact that they cut Brian Dixon tells me that they feel really good about their coverage. I'm going to make a prediction. I want to say that I saw on Pro Football Talk that the NFL is going to reevaluate the kickoff rule and may change it in season. That kickoff rule that they said, hey, if you get a touchback, 
it goes to the 25-yard line, and they did that thinking that it was going to get more touchbacks. I think they were 100% wrong on that, and I think in, Octo- I think in October they're going to change that rule. Because the, the whole point of it was to not have kickoff returns, and it's done the opposite. Because you can't coaches, change a rule mid-season, man. I, I remember seeing it on Pro Football Talk. I'm just, I'm just saying. That's, I think, I think they're gonna, I think they're gonna be like, yeah, kickoff rule, uh, it didn't work. We're, we're going, we're gonna do something different. I mean, That'll yeah. be interesting. So yeah, they, um, they moved it in the wrong direction. You want people to do touchbacks more. You got to move them to the 15. Not the I 20. mean, you got to think. Teams made decisions on who they took as kicker based on this rule and like you would be basically throwing in in a wrench in a team's entire evaluation of training camp if you change the rule i'm not disagreeing with that andrew i'm just saying that if they have a bunch of kick returns and they have a couple of injuries especially gruesome ones they'll change that rule yeah i I guarantee if they have what happened to that guy for buffalo i forget his name where like he almost died and he ended up being able to walk which was good thank god but if they have that, I'm telling you, we'll we'll see. But um, that's that's interesting. Um, here's the last thing, and then we'll get into Twitter questions and uh, season preview. Uh, and this was somebody something brought up when we were talking about how they fix the offensive line and how they hide it and that sort of thing. Brian, uh, the Saints. Well, things I think fans don't realize is the Saints are one of the faster tempo teams, you know, the Saints, they don't run no huddle and crazy stuff like Chip Kelly, but they go really fast tempo. They run more plays than almost any team. And and uh, somebody on Twitter said, look, they could even speed it up even more to really help their offensive line. Would that be a possibility? Maybe they speed it up even more and it's not quite no huddle, but it's really, really faster than we've ever seen the Saints go. Oh, absolutely. You can you can always um, turn it up to 11, especially with, um, you know, having players who have just better natural gifts at the skill positions actually helps that a lot, too. A a perfect guy for that is uh, like Michael Thomas, who was actually used in that way in college. He he was Mm -hmm. a guy who got a ton of passes within eight yards, basically the Alex Smith offense. And he has that rare ability to make plays after the catch. You can't teach that. He has it. So that's a guy you, you can, you know, sh- you shift him into the slot. You run out of a bunch formation. You can move him around, and then you just do a quick pass dink, and if the quarterback doesn't break it up or cornerback, it, it, it can be a problem for defenses, absolutely. I, I think – um, a, a lot of that is tempo helps your offensive line too. <laughs> it it yeah. does, and I think it actually helps in another area too. And um, I, I promise I'm not a I'm not an apologist on this one. I've said on on my podcast and some recent articles as well. Right now, Andres Pete kind of sucks. Um, yep. My question is why? Because there's a difference between no talent and not performance. And I'm a huge proponent of the three-year rule with draft picks. And one of the things that does kind of stand out as a red flag to me with him, he's now changed positions three times at the NFL level, and none of them are the position he's played his entire life. The kid's 22 or 23, I don't remember which, but he's young. And the big thing for me is he's not one of those – he's kind of a quiet guy. He's not one of those – like nasty, mean streak offensive linemen. And I don't mean dirty, but just, you know, yeah. like perfect example, you know, the, the, the constant wound in the side. Lel Collins plays nasty. He wants to run people over. 
he'll come back and run you over again just so you know who ran him over. He's one of those guys. Pete's not wired that way, and he's one of those players. What I wonder with him is, is comfort and self-confidence a bigger issue for him than anything else? Because that's something that can be improved on. And just using this preseason as an example, he had some really bad snaps. But at guard, when he was at guard, which is what he spent his entire summer working up towards doing, he put together a few different strings where he actually had some really nice plays. And the plays he got beat, it was more nuance and technique than ability. Uh-huh. Now, there was a few others he just got flat out beat. But he'd have a few good plays, and then you'd see it. He'd have one bad play, and then all of a sudden his energy is back to zero. Yeah. So what I want to see... Unfortunately, I, in, in real games, when the lights come on, one bad play is all it takes. Yeah. No, it, it does. And, and that's not really to make excuses for him, but what I wonder no. is... Kicking up the tempo also requires you to simplify the offense because something else people yeah. forget, the Saints have one of the most complex offenses in the NFL. The whole Rob Ryan, like, creative genius thing, Sean Payton's that times 10. He's just better at it. Yeah. Um, like, actually productive at it. My thing with... my thing If with, he built some confidence, he could be yeah. okay. My thing with Pete is let him play one... Let him play at guard on one that. side and talk to me at the end of October. Let him play in one spot and get a bunch of snaps, and let's see where we are on Halloween before we throw him to the dogs. That's 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 all I'm asking, you know, with Pete. And the thing is, Andrew, we got nowhere else to go, so like I don't, yeah, you know, I mean, um, so let's get to Twitter questions before we get to predictions. Uh, Dylan asks, what brand of cat food will the Saints and Falcons be fighting over week three? Uh, Sheba <laughs> cat food, Dylan. It's forty eight cents. <laughs> The kind that Ralph buries his hand in. Yeah, 48 cents at the Super Walmart. Uh, uh, Brian, this is from Dylan. In what quarter will Khalil Mack kill Drew Brees? Oh, Dylan. Oh, God, and I've got so many Raiders fans at work, too. The first. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm going to say start of the second quarter. Um, Drew's a tough guy. Uh, he'll be wounded early. And then, and then, and then, Mackle hashtag body bag him in the second quarter. Andrew, Sean Payton's magician. Could Tom Payton, Sean Payton's mag- magician brother, magically make our <laughs> offensive line good? <laughs> I love that question. Oh man, if you if you guys don't know the the myth, the legend, Tom Payton, Sean's brother, uh, he was on social media swearing up and down this off season that Sean would stay, and he ended up being right. So. Yeah, I mean, if, if Tom Payton can't do it, listen, nobody can. Yeah, this is from, Sh- Brian, this is from Sean Mars. While on the Doom while the doom trade rides on, what is something you are excited about on the Saints? Um, and this, this is actually something I was hoping we'd get to, so I'm glad he asked this question. There is one thing I'm really positive about on this team, and it's just the youth in general. Um, like, we are in the midst, as badly as the rebuild is kind of going, um, as far as the win-now mentality, because, you know, yeah. if you've got a Hall of Fame quarterback, you might want to try to win while he's still breathing, but... Which is going to last about another crap. quarter. <laughs> they've gotten a couple, they've gotten a few really nice young pieces, like, you know, Bro's young, you know, Williams is young, Davis, and like, you can go down the list. These are guys with potential that can become something offensively and defensively. Yeah. That's nice to see because yes, like Ralph likes to say, it is a barren wilderness of hopelessness and despair after Drew Brees. 
But at least it makes the odds not zero of if you can find a quarterback, there's something here to work with. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the thing is with they, the same- they have to build They have to build a roster in a team that can absorb average play at quarterback after Breeze is gone. You know, and the thing is with the Saints, I mean, look, I'm not def- I'm not saying Mickey Loomis and Sean Payton in the front office and the scouts have been great post-2011 because they haven't, look. But the thing is with the Saints is if you can point to one thing that threw a monkey wrench into the whole goddamn plan, it was Junior Gallette. Because when they traded Graham, they I really think they looked at it and said, look, it ain't working. Brandon Browner. You know, we got to blow it up. But but if if Junior Gallette was still on the roster, Andrew, and a, and a functioning human being, and, and they didn't have to go, they would have had $10 million more cap room this offseason. You know? Like, it would have be like, that's the thing that I Yeah, think. that's what people don't that's realize. Gallette cost them, like, two guys. Yeah. Like, they, yeah. Like they could have... It, like it would have been, it, they they put it this way. I think they'd have a they, they'd have a guard and they'd have one other person. They might have not got the guard they exactly wanted, but they'd have had enough money to go get one. But that's the one that killed him. So should Jamarcus should the Saints sign Jamarcus Russell and put him at guard? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, at his current weight, absolutely. <laughs> And uh, only in the run game, and you just tell him there's pizza in the end zone. This is from Sports Guy. 83, I saved this one. Uh, what happens first this year? Breeze going an entire game without being sacked or the Saints forcing three turnovers? Ooh, good question. That's, that is a good question. Oh, oh damn. I don't think you either know, is you know, happening we, this season. We, we play San Diego um, and Atlanta early in the year, and both of them have like a negative pass rush. Um, and we play Atlanta week three, so I'll actually see. I'll actually say Breeze goes a game without sacks, without getting sacked first. But I do think we'll have a game where we force two, three. Yeah, Vic Vic Beasley kind of sucks, but as bad as Clowney abused the Saints in preseason, yeah, I, I have a feeling that Beasley is gonna. Uh, Abuse the same. Well, I thought he's actually had a really good preseason. This is this is a good, this is a good question from Jason Lambert, Andrew. Besides offensive guard, what position gives you the most concern going into the season? You know, corner, corner yeah. gives me a lot of concern. Um, I think at first, when you told me that Swan, I mean, I, when I looked at the depth going into the training camp, I looked at the top five corners, and they were. Keenan Lewis and Bro as the starters, then maybe PJ Williams. We'll see how he is. You know, if he recovers from his injury, maybe Swan if he gets his concussions figured out, and Kyle Wilson. That that's your five, your top five corners. Well, three of those are gone mm-hmm. before the season even starts. So now you've got Bro and PJ. And PJ, we're a little bit more optimistic about now. He looks mm-hmm. like he's the starter and he's getting better. Um, and then you've got the corpse of Cortland Finnegan and a couple of UDFAs. Um, so yeah, I'm very concerned. And this team is one Delvin bro injury away from being a disaster at cornerback. Um, so yeah, on the, on the ups, on the, on the flip side of that, I really truly believe that there is like a 30% chance that, uh, Bro is so freaking good 
that he transforms the defense. Like, I think there's a 30% chance that, like, he becomes, like, an elite, elite corner, and that frees up Dennis Allen to really get nuts because he can be like, that part of the field, bro's got it. Um, so on the flip side of the being, of the being negative about bro, um, here's a question from the Todd. Uh, how comfortable are you spending that $34 on Jamal Charles signed reigning auction league champion? You go to hell, Todd Newberg. You go to hell. Um, 34? Isn't Jamal Charles missing week one? Yeah, he is. Due to injury? Probably. Yeah, nice work. What we should do is, we'll put Kevin up to this because he actually cares about fantasy enough to do it. Have someone actually go at the end of the year and calculate how much money per game Ralph lost just on people who didn't play. A lot. A lot. Um, oh. Do you? This is a good one for you, Andrew. Ralph yes. plays fantasy worse than the Browns GM. He does. I do. In I real do. life. I do. If I if I'm if I'm just if I'm not having horrible picks, I'm having internet connection problems and drafting. <laughs> dra- and, and, and I get back on the connection when we had the draft uh, yesterday. Or was was it? It was. Uh, it, it was Saturday. 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 It was Saturday. Saturday, and anyone who loses to me should be embarrassed because uh, I woke up uh, in the eleventh round. And drafted like four of my own players. I my first two picks, I didn't even make them. I just randomly put Ingram and Lamar, what's his name, Miller for the Texans in my queue. And because yeah. I had them in the queue, when my internet went down and it didn't work, I just picked them back to back, first and second, first second round. But here's a here's a here's a question for you, Andrew. This is from Silverhair. Do you think Ryan Pace bought a bottle of champagne and called it Mickey Loomis's Tears? <laughs> yeah, I do. I mean, he's, you know, and listen, he extends Kyle Long, one of the best guards in the league, and then he signs Josh Sitton, another one of the best guards in the league. And, you know, it's just, what does that remind you of? Two all-pro guards on the same team, highly paid, Yep. Um, he, he's recreating Nick's and Jari Evans in their prime, man. And it's, uh, you know, where he, he learned that. Yeah. Um, Although I have to ask one question about, uh, sitting, um, how good of a tackler is he? Cause he's protecting Jay Cutler. So I'm actually more <laughs> worried about his ability to tackle than I am his ability to block. Yeah. Fair this point. Is, this is the last question, uh, from the Todd and then we'll get to season predictions. Uh, should a breeze deal talk stall? What ends up higher number of breeze splash reports? Number two field goals made for the season. Splash reports by week four. Dude. If Breeze doesn't sign, man, the splash reporting, I don't see. Oh, I don't know because the thing is, I don't know that like Sean Payton splash reports are a unique situation because he, he's buddies with Glazer, so he can just pump Glazer with stuff, stuff, stuff. I don't know that Drew Breeze would do that. I just, you know, so I, I would say I'm. Drew gonna Breeze go. wouldn't, but Condon would in a nanosecond. Oh. Oh, that's true. You know, I, I don't know that I have to a... put these things out, not the players. I don't know that I have a formulated opinion about this one way or another. You know, I haven't had real time to digest it and think about the cap numbers next year and all that. But four years, $100 million for a 37-year-old quarterback. I love Drew. And I, I've long been a proponent to say that this thing should do whatever is necessary to keep him. Um, but that's a tough one to swallow. Four well, years, $100 million. It just I mean, the thing is, you can give him eight years, $200 million if you want. I mean, the thing is, 
of the four years, hundred million, like what's the guarantee, and what's the what's the I'm sure and this, what's the structure. Yeah, I, I'm but sure. But if it's that, only, but if it's only a four-year deal, y- y- your exit button is year three at best. At yeah, best. I mean, I and think it's the, probably year four. The sticking point with the Saints is, and I, and this has to be true, is Loomis and the Saints. They want to be able to hit the eject button if they extend Breeze. They want to be able to hit the eject button after 2018. Right. You know, and that probably there's a limit where the Saints want to go 40 million guaranteed or 45 or whatever. And Drew Brees probably wants 60. And the Saints are like, look, um, we want to be able to say, Drew, at the tw- after 2018, whether you're injured or not, what it, we want to be able to hit eject. And that, to me, that's probably the second point. Okay. On to predictions. D- as. Dave said six and ten from the Maroon Five concert. So Brian, I'll start with you. Your prediction for the Saints season. Am I allowed to make a caveat? You can make a caveat if you want. Okay. If Drew Brees plays sixteen games, I'll say nine and seven. Ooh. If Drew Brees gets hurt, especially early in the year, I'm gonna say four and twelve. But I mean, which I know you say caveat, but which one of those do you think is likely? I think the nine and seven is more likely. Ooh, interesting. Um, just looking at parts and schedule, like there's that brutal stretch in the middle, um, but there's really only five games on this schedule where I'm just sitting there looking at it, going, "God, that's that's not likely." Yeah. The rest of them, Drew's still Drew. If he's if he's not hurt, he has absolute ability to be able to beat these teams um but you know you're looking at denver seattle arizona carolina in carolina um and i'm i'm forgetting who the fifth one is because i had a fifth but those are the games where i'm just like it's gonna take it it's gonna take a lot rams at home is difficult at kansas city but, but have you seen the rams offense yeah that's true like i mean the rams could sack drew five times and throw two or three pick sixes like they're, the number one overall pick isn't even starting for them. Yeah, but that defense is Sean always... Sean Mannion is the oh, backup. I'll tell you guys a secret. Sean Mannion will throw interceptions like it's going out of style. <laughs> that is true. And, and and I watched him play live. So you, you're pretty bullish then. You think 9-7. and seven. You think 9-7. and seven. I think it's entirely possible. If he's playing. No. If so, he's out, 4-12. and 12. Well, They have yeah. no shot. Um, so, Andrew, give me your prediction. I'm going to say 6-10, and ten. same prediction I made last year. Um, you know, I think when I made that prediction last year, I made it mostly on the merits of this is a really bad roster. And, um, you know, when I said that, we kind of agreed that 7-9 and nine was always the floor for a Drew Brees-led yeah. team. And I thought it would go lower than that based on the lack of quality of the roster. Um, this year, I feel like top to bottom, the talent is much better. Um, but I think the offensive line is worse. worse. And I think that's the tragic flaw of this team. Um, you know, I think I would have agreed with Brian and I would have said nine and seven had they signed Sitton. And I think people hear that and they think you're telling me one all pro guard is a three game swing. And my response to that would be, I don't think he personally is responsible for three wins. I think Bree's not getting injured is a three game swing. And at you least. just made that, 
you just made that much more likely. Yes. Um, so I I'm think gonna... Brees at some point now. I, I don't think it's happened early in the season. Like Brian said, I mean, I mean, if it's Luke McCown all year, it's the two wins, three wins. But uh, I think, I think they'll win six games, and Brees will get hurt late, maybe. And um, so that, that's why I'm thinking they'll go under the floor. I'm going to give you. I said five and eleven in my. Uh, Channel 4 preview, which will go on, online Wednesday or Thursday. And I, it, it was so negative, I sent it to Andrew, and I was like, Andrew, does it have enough jokes in it? Because it's really, really negative um, for him to read through. But I'm going to give you the absolute worst case for the Saints and w- why I think it's going to happen, and you're going to hate 2016. I think there's a good possibility that the Saints get out of the gate really good. Because if you look at the schedule, they get the Raiders at home, and yeah, the Raiders are up and coming, and blah, 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 and they built the thing, whatever. They're halfway out the door. They're halfway to Vegas already, and the, and the Raiders could easily, easily crap the bed Sunday because it's a 10 a.m. game, and West Coast teams do that all the goddamn time. Then they go to the Giants, meh, host Atlanta, host the Chargers. Like, if they beat Oakland, it's not inconceivable that they could be 4-0. I think they're going to start the year pretty good and be like 3-2, and 4-1, and one, and then Drew Brees is going to get hurt, and it's all going to go to shit. And we're going to be like even more enraged because if they would have started slow with Drew Brees and say they start out 1-5 and five and then he gets hurt and then it goes into the dumper, you're like, well, it was never going to be anything anyway. It was all a clusterfuck from the, from the jump. But this, this is what I think is going to happen. I think they're going to start pretty good. And Drew Brees is going to get hurt because their offensive line sucks, and we're going to be even more enraged, and it's going to suck even more. You're going for maximum pain. I'm going like for it. I'm going for maximum pain. I mean, but isn't Andrew? Isn't that the scenario? It, wouldn't that be the scenario for maximum pain? No, absolutely. You know, like if they're so. So what, what's the record you're giving us? I give them five and eleven because I think okay. I think they'll st- I think they'll start out four and one, three and two, and then. Uh, against Carolina or Kansas City, or I mean, like like that that stretch of Panthers at Chiefs versus Seattle, that is like where Drew Brees is gonna die. All right, well here's my next question then: How many starts before the season ends does Garrett Grayson get, and how does he play in those starts? He gets none because he's terrible and a bust. <laughs> So it's the Luke McCown show. It's the, show, Luke, the whole season. It's the Luke McCown show. Andrew, it'll be the Matt Flynn show before it's the Garrett Grayson show. <laughs> oh god. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna contest with that just because the scenario is fun in my head. Garrett Grayson in that scenario starts one game. He plays against Atlanta because Atlanta is fucking awful on defense. Like they're just bad. Yeah. And he are. looks good. And then Sean and Mickey immediately call every desperate quarterback team in the league, and they offer and he him. Gets the Matt, he gets the Matt. He gets the Matt Flynn contract. Yeah, gets the Matt Flynn con- or the no, he gets the Kevin Cobb treatment. Yeah. He goes out and he hits Mike Thomas for like six passes for like 140 yards and throws two bombs to Cooks and looks phenomenal, <laughs> and then gets traded for like two or three picks because NFL GMs are desperate and stupid. So, 
That would uh, almost make five and eleven worth it. <laughs> and then man. the Saints package all those picks and they draft a Sean Dude, Watson. if Minnesota, if, if, if the Eagles can get a one and a four for Bradford, <laughs> yeah, anything, anything is possible. Um, final question, and then we'll get out of here. Breeze extension before Sunday, yay or nay, Andrew? No. Brian. We got to pick the game score. Oh too, yeah, right? we got to pick the game score. But Brian, Drew Brees extension, yay or nay? Nay. All right, um, Andrew Raiders game. What? Who you got? <sighs> I mean, I want the Saints to win this game so bad. Yeah, there's um, nothing. There's nothing sweeter than than the opening day win because you feel yes. like all the po- You feel like anything's possible when you. Well, here's the thing: game. the Saints. Now, historically, under Sean Payton, you know, let's not forget this. They are in the the five years that they've been one and zero. They've made the playoffs four times. Yeah. In the five years they've started zero and one, they've made the playoffs once. So it's basically an eighty percent proposition either way, playoffs or no playoffs, if a Sean Payton team wins the first game, yep. they start one and zero. So based on that, like I, I, I love the odds. And I love the history if they win that first game. Yep. Um, so I really want the Saints to win this game. <laughs> I don't think they're going to. I think the Raiders are young. I think they're a more balanced team. Uh, I think Carr will do better against the Saints secondary than we hope he will. Um, and I think they'll run the ball. Um, I'm going to say Raiders 27, Saints 21. Brian? Who you got? Um, I work in a uh, I work in an office that's about sixty percent Raiders fans. So you work in Las Vegas? I, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I work I work I work in the Bay Area. <laughs> but uh, they're going to Vegas, and I, and I rub that in frequently. And that'll uh, be the best road trip ever. They hate that me stadium, for it. That stadium will be full. I desperately want to wear we a different Saints jersey. Every day to the office after that win, just you need this. You need I this. You need this. I did the same. I did the same thing after the Cavs won. If they're going one in fifteen, Brian wants this to be the one. Exactly, but I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna make the same prediction here. Um, I, I made on a uh, on a different uh, on, on our podcast earlier, and I'm gonna say the Saints are gonna win 34-24. It's gonna be close. Most of the way through, Breeze is going to hit Cooks for a late bomb and ice the game away. The reason being the same thing I've said about this Raiders team all offseason. I am so happy we are playing them week one and not week 10. Week 10 with this roster, the Raiders scare me. Week one, they don't scare me nearly as much. This is a team with a ton of new pieces with a lot of young guys. They've got a couple of studs. Carr's talented. Cooper's a beast. But we've got Bro to counter him. Mac is the problem. If they can just have Mac not kill Drew Brees, this Raiders team has not gelled. They are not what I think they will be by year's end. I think in New Orleans, morning game, Brees not yet hit and hurt. The Saints pull off the win. I'm going to say Raiders 31 to 17. I think it's close, but I think the Saints will have the ball at the end needing to score to tie it up and the Raiders will force a turnover fumble 
and score a defensive touchdown some kind of way, whether it's a pick six or Khalil Mack decapitating. So it, so it looks worse than it was. Yeah, and it's going to look – it'll be like, like like the Arizona game last year. The Saints had yeah, the ball okay. late with a chance to win, and they didn't. Arizona got the ball, and instead of just run out the clock, the guy scored like a 50-yard touchdown, and you look at it, and you're like, oh, Arizona kind of coasted. But it was, it was right there for the Saints to win. So that's my prediction. So um, that wraps up our season preview show. Um, Dave was MIA. Kevin was MIA. Uh, but thanks for Brian for pinch hitting. So go to the Saints Nation. Brian and Andrew are there writing stuff, having other podcasts, having all kinds of fun stuff. You can find Brian on Twitter. You can find Andrew on Twitter. You can find Dave and Kevin on the Twitters also. So for Dave, for Dave and Kevin who weren't here, for Andrew, for Brian, uh, until next week, the bar is closed. Thank you.